there comes a time in every person's life when you realise it's not about doing what you are told, but doing what you know is right for you. Let us take a journey of learning and discovery with the world's most successful people who are living the life of their dreams, walking through life using their inner wisdom and being of service to others. Forget exams, grades and test scores. What is your purpose? As we let go of what we think should be and learn from our elders to gain knowledge, inspiration and a true sense of who we are. What are your dreams? Does your life have meaning? Are you living a life of significance? Let's talk with today's guest. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome as we spend some more time together on the Learning on Fire podcast. Today I'm talking to Evan Burse. Hi Evan, thanks for joining me and let's explore the journey of who you are. Hey Mark, I want to say real quick, thanks for having me on Learning on Fire. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure and um, Evan and I met on a in a live conference event just a, a few weeks ago in Nashville in the USA and um, one thing I'd sort of learned about Evan was the fact that he really had this chance to just sort of burst onto the scene from having a fantastic background which he's about to describe in terms of his cartooning and, and working with um, animation so can you give us a bit of background about that and, and how all that came about? Yes yeah, so um, I Ever since I was a kid, I always loved to draw, so that's always been with me. Um, as most of us, we, you know, when we're in primary school, you know, younger, around five years age or so, and everyone draws. You know, everyone, the teacher shows shows all of us how to draw an apple or something. Just with most of us artists like me, I just never stopped drawing. <laughs> so, and uh, as with anything, the more you do it, well, obviously, the better you get at it, you know, over time. And uh, so drawn all my life. And as I got older, um, I said, hey, I want to break into the animation business and, you know, do what they do, all the cartoons and stuff like that. So I uh, my first job in animation was working for Warner Brothers Animation and Warner Brothers does, you know, when I worked there. Uh, my first job was working on Scooby Doo. And I was so excited when I got the position there, and it was just great. Um, I just couldn't believe that a dream had come true like that. <laughs> so it was, uh, I love drawing Scooby-Doo and stuff like that. And from and I worked on other productions as well at Warner Brothers um, over the next several years. And then from there, I went to Marvel Animation Studios, where I worked on some of their projects. Most notably, uh, it was the Hulk animated series so it was called hulk and the agents of smash <laughs> so it was just him and his other hulked out buddies and things like that and while i was working in the animation industry i always had kind of a entrepreneurial desire within me to uh, just kind of grow my own brand or uh, grow some kind of creation uh, for lack of a better term and i never knew what that could be so um, I simply started a YouTube channel and uh, started doing drawing tutorials. And the thing that made me do the YouTube channel was my son. He kept asking me, uh, hey, Dad, can you show me how to draw this character and show me how to draw that character? And uh, over time, I was like, sure, sure, I'll go ahead and show you. But it got me thinking, if he wants to know how to draw these characters, how many other people 
would be, you know, needing some assistance and learning how to draw the same character. So I kind of just started my YouTube channel based on that. I was like, well, video is happening now. So it was this was 2009. Well, correction, 2008 was when I started having the idea for my YouTube channel and 2009 was when I launched it. Um, and so that, that kind of like also tied back into my entrepreneurial drive and enthusiasm for starting something. And then from there, I, uh, yeah, just grew my online following. And do you believe that anyone can draw or is it a little bit, I mean, as a musician, you know, it's that kind of, you can tell sometimes when there's an innate talent or an understanding, which is a natural thing, but there is also a certain amount of technique and a certain amount of things that you can teach people. So how, how do you find that works from a drawing point of view? Could you teach anyone to do it or is there a certain amount of natural flair, which is important? You can learn how to draw, of course, and someone can teach you the technical ins and outs of drawing and you can become a decent artist. But then there are some people who are certainly gifted and just when they put, you know, paint to canvas or pencil to paper, it's just like, wow, like how did they do that? How did their brain, you know, put that on paper? So it does vary. And I do believe that, you know, if someone at the end of the day, if you have the passion for it, and if you're willing to put in the time and the effort and discipline and dedication, then you can most definitely become a successful artist. And I think that makes sense, doesn't it? Because if you really are passionate about something and you're really interested in it, you'll put the time in because you're loving it, because you're enjoying the whole process of the learning of, of exactly what you're into. Whereas as soon as it becomes tiresome, if you're not really getting anything out of it because you're not really passionate about it, then it will start to waver. And I think, especially from a schooling point of view, if you can just understand that not everything is going to be something you're really into, but the experience of having that diversity of lots of things, that could be quite a quite an important thing that you learn through that process. Um, and... And so your life now, you sort of talked about the fact that you um, that you had your YouTube channel and, and you work for these great organizations. Um, but what does your sort of day-to-day life look like now in terms of, of how you spend your day? And how is that different um, from when you were growing up and your experience as a, as a child getting, getting older going through school? Well, right now, I've since uh, left the animation industry. And with the success of my YouTube channel, I launched that into a actual online academy so i have monthly members uh who are in my private you know drawing academy online it's called the cartoon block academy and i just show them private tutorials where i upload exclusive video content for them specifically i still have my free content on my youtube channel but the uh the monthly uh paying members get more you know coaching from me through exclusive video tutorials, which I do monthly. And we also have a private Facebook group where they can you know, show their art to me and the other members in the academy, and we all can critique each other's work. So that's where I launched my, that was the next level for me to go into after leaving the animation industry. And I still have my contacts and friends and my old colleagues who I still, you know, meet up with and we still hang out and stuff like that. I still love the animation industry, but that was just a stepping stone for me to get 
you know, into my own online uh, tutorial platform where I can teach other people how to draw superheroes. And I was just, I was just going to really say there, you know, what what was valuable about your school experience, and and does that sort of fit in with that sort of desire to to be drawing and animation? Is is, is that what you found valuable, or, or was there something else about the whole experience which um, gave you something to take away? My schooling when I was younger, as everyone, you always have your academics, and you know, math, history, English, uh, you know, civics, social studies, things like that. Uh, none of the, none of those things really interested me too much. Um, but there were uh, during certain uh, grade school years when my school did have art class, and I love that, you know. Um, another thing that influenced me growing up was my father. My father is uh, a painter, so he's more of a fine artist uh, where he does like portraits of people, but it was always a hobby for him. Um, as close as he came to doing art professionally, was he did uh, created certain like advertising material for advertising firms and things like that, uh, but he didn't pursue it ongoing or full time. And on the side, he just did like portraits of like friends or family, and he would do some paintings and draw with charcoal and things like that. So his old sketchbooks inspired me a lot. And I kind of just picked up that and just ran with it. But as far as schooling when I was younger, it um, it didn't um, nothing in school really like wowed me. I just really wanted to draw. I was still a fine student. I was an AB student and uh, graduated from high school thinking that, you know, art was never a real career. I always thought that I had to get a real job and pick something that made a lot of money. So I went ahead and majored in at that time in the early 90s when I graduated high school. I majored in computer science, hated it. So <laughs> it was the first few years at university and I did not like it at all. But I was brainwashed by, as most of us are, by our school system where they teach us to just find a thriving career. Just find something that's growing, that will be in demand. That way you will always have a job. And I truly believe that is the wrong way to <laughs> to uh, coach children or adolescents into picking a career. So it took me a few years after university to really find my passion. Well, I always was drawing, but I never considered it a career. And it wasn't until I did some soul searching. It was like, what do I truly enjoy? It was comic books, drawing, animation. And that's what made me return to school. Uh, to university, to Art Institute of Chicago, and uh, pursue drawing. And that really is the reason why um, why this podcast exists. It's that kind of people being able to hear and just think, oh, yeah, but I think I'm confined. The school wants me to do this. This is what I'm hearing around. And to hear someone like you being able to say, look, I found my passion. I knew what it was. I went off and, and did what I was told almost and then came back and knew that the passion was the most important thing. And then to be so incredibly successful at it, both in terms of, like you say, you know, working for for, for Water Brothers, you know, that, I mean, that's people uh -huh. in Marvel, people go, wow, that's sort of something that you would dream of. And then to also have that sort of entrepreneurial thing, the, the chance to share it, the chance to have your own membership where people, you can influence them directly, you know, to have all of that going on when you truly just believe 
this is what I want, this is what I'm about. And you manage to do that, like say, almost despite the system, as long as you know there's a system there that you're always trying to escape from. From there, some of the, <laughs> some of the insights that you're giving us now really are the, the key to actually making those decisions and hopefully not having to go through the whole system before you realize you've got some choice, I guess. Yes, I, w- I want to add to that, Mark. Um, it's not that the school system is... Uh, out to brainwash children or anything like that. But I would say that it is up to the individual. It's up to you, the individual uh, parent, uh, when you're talking to your children. Um, It's up to you, you know, children or adolescents or teens. It's your decision to sit down and ask yourself, what am I passionate about? What do I want to do? And understand that, of course, mom and dad want the best for you. You don't want your child out there, you know, being a beggar or a homeless person in the street. You know, you want them to have a job and a career, a thriving career. But also keep the conversation going about your child's passion and what they want to do, what they enjoy. I would say push their passions first and then out of their passions comes career opportunities. You know, for example, if you're good with your hands and you like building something, maybe you could be a carpenter, you know, or something like that. Um, But yeah, it all starts with your passions. And I just hope that parents uh, and children and the school professionals can have more conversations around inspiring children and students to follow their passions first and then seeing what possible career opportunities come from that. Yeah, and I, th- I think almost everybody listening will, will hope that the everything changes a little bit to, to allow that to be the case. And uh, if there are any uh, any ministers or uh, politicians out there that'd like to step forward and, and see how that's happening, or already there, you know, th- amazing things like the Khan Academy, which is almost turning schools on their yes. head and, and all that uh-huh. kind of thing. You know, it, yes. it is there, isn't it? And it's being shown uh-huh. the way. It's just obviously there's a bit, obviously a big lag between the the what is deemed to be the norm and and, and people sort of pioneering in new ways of learning. Yeah, the the the, the thing for me was that, and I've had conversations with. Um, this was one story I can tell you about. There was a colleague of mine uh, at Warner Brothers, and we were working on the Teen Titans animated series, and um, he's, uh, I believe, he was Filipino. So he's from Southeast Asia, and he um great artist. I mean, phenomenal artist. He was a storyboard artist. And we were about to start our next season of the uh, series, and he told our producers, he said, oh, I can't come back for the next season. And they were like, why? What do you mean? He said, because I have to go back to med school and get my, you know, <laughs> degree. And we were all shaking our heads like, wait a minute, Sam, you you going, wait a minute, you're going to school to be a doctor? <laughs> wait a minute, what is this? Then why are you here drawing? Like, wait a minute, we're confused. What's going on here? And he told us, he said, well, my parents always wanted me and my brother to be doctors. So just to make our parents happy, we said that we would agree to finish our, you know, medical degree and, you know, finish med school. So we were like, oh, my goodness. Like, we're like, Sam, did you tell your parents, like, who you're working for (laughs) and and what you're working on? 
And you know what his response was? He said, my parents don't care about art. They don't, they don't think that it's a real career. And we were like, have you shown them your paychecks? <laughs> you <know>? so, <laughs> and, but that just goes to show the culture. And I'm not just saying Asian culture is like that. And I understand, like, you know, certain parents, you know, certain cultures, they do want their children to be either a doctor, lawyer, or engineer, nothing else. You know, my wife is uh, Indian, so she's East Indian, and her parents, you know, my, my wife was raised here in the States, but her mom and dad are from India, and growing up in the Indian culture, um, she saw the same thing. A lot of my wife's peers were forced to, you know, pick those few careers. You know, you're going to be a lawyer, a doctor, or engineer. Nothing else matters. So, and she managed to kind of like, escape that mentality so it wouldn't affect her and she was able to follow her true passion which was uh mental health uh therapy she's a mental health professional and um but yeah so we were just surprised so sam went to finish med school he did finish but happy to say he came back to art so <laughs> oh but that really is a good story in terms of actually you know you don't well i guess you do always have a choice but sometimes like in that scenario you know, he was doing what he thought was the right thing for his parents and the right thing for them as a family and that kind of thing um but it didn't diminish his talent and it didn't stop him going forward it was almost like a little hiatus just to to do what he said he was going to do and i think if i guess if you find yourself in that situation as long as you understand what you're doing and why you're doing it um that's Uh that's a slightly different thing than completely dumbing down your passion and then never actually really grabbing it with both hands which obviously isn't his case in that scenario and that's why i would like the parents to really you know understand that it just try not to push your hopes and dreams on your children you know so um and that's a cultural thing so that's something that will not change overnight um it is something that all cultures struggle with and um yeah so i'm african-american so african-american culture suffers the same thing you know parents push their passions and their dreams onto their children and it's a disservice to the child you know, so please, children, if you're listening and parents, <laughs> you know, uh, first find the child's passion and then go from there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's then liberating for everyone, isn't it? Because you're then on an unknown journey together. And, and that's really exciting. And I think that's when real magic happens and all opportunities open up for everybody. Yes. Um, who did you admire when you were young? Uh, I admired my father's drawing ability. That was a big thing. Um, and then there were, uh, a few, uh, teachers that I had, uh, these two guys, I know I had one teacher, Mr. Jones, uh, he was when I was in the eighth grade and, uh, Mr. Thompson, I believe I was in the ninth grade and they were just, you know, two teachers who had a big sense of humor and I really did, you know, enjoy learning from them and they both were math teachers and math is not my strongest subject, you know, <laughs> but they made the learning fun. They, you know, cracked jokes and were just laid back. And it was really cool. And they cared, you know. They weren't like most teachers and just cracking a whip saying, get it done, get it done. I mean, they really, you know, cared for the students. And I, and I appreciated that about them. And I had some, you know, good teachers growing up. But those were the two that stuck out the most. They stuck out to me the most. 
I mean, I really think that the impact of those things comes across when, when you have a connection, doesn't it? And it is that kind of when they get their passion across. It is when they, they make it human, like I say, or humorous even, you know, or, or whether you're getting them engaged in whatever level that happens to be. And I think that's uh-huh. quite an art, I think, like you say, both in terms of whether it's a parent or a teacher. If, if they can really connect on a level that you can understand and they draw you in from there, you know, you'll get the most out of it that you possibly can. That's true. That is so true. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, what was the best piece of advice you've ever been given and who gave it to you? I don't know who gave it to me. I think the best, you know, lesson I learned just growing up is just follow your passion. And I've heard that from just random people. It says truly just follow your passion. That is the key. And not follow what you're told to follow as far as career choice and because it sidetracks you. And I studied successful people. I want to say in my like, what, mid-20s, so it was after college. And I just was like, I was looking at certain people, you know, um, just saying, why is that person successful? Uh, why is this person successful? For example, certain people uh, in the arts, like singers um, or, you know, visual artists, animators, and look at them. And one thing I constantly saw was that they stuck with the same thing for a very, very long time. You know, they didn't hop around and test out and try different careers. They simply stuck with one thing and just pursued it. Um, even p- politicians, you know, people who run for public office, um, they stuck with it. You know, they stayed in it for a very long time. Uh, teachers, they just and that was the main thing that I saw was they, these people discovered their passion and just stayed with it. It wasn't the attraction of money that got them into that. You know, uh, it wasn't the attraction of prestige. Now, a lot of those what do you call those those badges of honor that we think are cool? Uh, that can attract a lot of people. So, say for example, I want to be a hip hop, you know, star, be a rapper. Well, I'm going to go out there and learn how to rap just for the money. Well, I won't be rapping very long. Mm. You know? So, <laughs> if, if it's just the money, well, there's no creativity, there's no burning desire for the art form itself. Then I won't stay with it. So that was the best thing that um, I. I guess to kind of that advice growing up that I learned was like, just follow your passion. I'd heard it before, but I didn't fully understand it until I was in like my mid twenties. And that's when it was like, it circled me back to my love as a child, which was drawing. And I think one thing to really remember here is the fact that it's almost a very deep rooted thing, isn't it? Because there are seasons within even having a passion that you actually end up doing is your life you know I mean I am um, you know I love being a musician but I remember plenty of time touring when I'm just thinking god I'm you know I'm on the road again and it's taking me however many hours to get somewhere it's not that every day for every part of every day is the most exciting thing in the world but there's an underlying belief that actually when you're really in the zone when you're really doing what you want to do that you want to keep it going and, and like you say just that repetition being involved in it in different ways just draws out everything that you need to keep you going exactly exactly and like you say it's not to say that you're going to be you know you're happy to be traveling every single day of your life you know <laughs> so but um as an artist i mean there's times when you know what i don't feel like drawing today you know so it's like i honestly don't feel like picking up a pencil i rather just watch tv 
you know, or something like that. And I don't feel like drawing. But then I also ask myself, well, what would I rather be doing? You know, would I rather be, you know, I don't know, sweeping floors? The answer is no. I would not rather be, a, a, you know, a janitor or a custodian sweeping floors. That's I'd rather be drawing. If I have a choice, give me a pencil, you know. So, but no, there are options that, you know, uh, that you have out there. And you have to ask yourself, well, if you're not doing your passion, what else would you rather be doing? So, and that's when we have to remind ourselves of that fact. When we do come across those days when we don't feel like doing it, it's like, hey, would, is there something else you'd rather be doing? And when I ask that question, and then my response to myself is, no, there isn't anything else that I'd rather be doing. So, <laughs> Exactly. So let's get on with it and, uh, and, and make it happen. Um, mm-hmm. What advice would you give your younger self now? If I could go back in a time machine and tell my younger self, give him a piece of advice, I would tell the younger Evan to surround yourself however necessary but surround yourself with people who are following their passions in art that's what i would tell him and the trick with that question is mark is um i don't think our younger selves would listen (laughs) yes that's very true (laughs) you know it's like I don't think we would. I don't think we have the ears or the um, emotional intelligence to even listen to our older selves. It's like, eh, you're old, Evan. You know what you're talking about. You're get out of here, old man. You know. So, yeah, that's that's even if we gave our younger selves, you know, golden advice. I don't think that our younger selves had the maturity to even listen and and take it or even comprehend it. So, um, but no, I mean, we do the best that we can, but I would definitely do it. I would tell my younger self, say, hey, go to New York and try to get an internship with Marvel Comics or DC Comics. Uh, Move out to Los Angeles, you know, skip college, just move to Los Angeles and try to get a job as an assistant working for, you know, Warner Brothers or Disney Animation just do it. And my younger self might reply, well, I don't have any money. And then my older self would tell my younger self, hey, go out there and sleep on people's couches. Okay. <laughs> just, <laughs> just get in the city and do whatever job you can to get your foot in the door. And I, I guess really, I mean, it's a really interesting point that you make that about kind of, you know, it's all very well having the knowledge when you're younger, but it's what you do with it. And also, you know, children and students and, and adolescents you know you live it's it's the only time you are that age and there's something about being that age and there's a maturity and a growing and a learning that comes with it and I find it a very interesting thing especially as a parent as well you know where that fine line comes in you're giving advice but I think a lot of it sometimes is about showing them isn't it and, and them experiencing what you want to show them as well as just actually telling them and and I think that idea of kind of you know going after what you want surrounding yourself with people that you you know make a difference you know actually just saying living the life that you want to live in that way that they can see it so even if they don't understand it at the time it's within their environment it's within their sort of understanding that hopefully as in when some of these conversations happen or maybe some of this advice comes out 
it's not completely a bolt out of the blue, but something that they can actually comprehend enough to actually take take their life forward. Like you say, if it's with their passion and they really want to decide now's the time for me to make a difference. And that's the thing that I've tried to teach my children. Um, I knew that just telling them certain things, it wouldn't sink in. So I figured, hey, you know what? I'm going to show my children something that wasn't shown to me as a child. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and show my children, um, hey, you can do it too. You can do anything that you put your mind to. As corny as that sounds, it really is true. Um, like dad's doing it. You know, dad is making a living online and I have an online business, you know, I'm making money online to support my family. And I wanted them to see that so they could like, wow, if dad did that, what can I do? You know, uh, recently my daughter, she um, graduated university and she is now a television news reporter. So she's telling the news in um, Georgia, near Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, doing a great job. And she emails us clips, video clips of her her news stories. So proud of her. Mm. And um, but she wanted to get into that, and the college was not helping her uh, find any kind of internships or opportunities for her by the time she graduated. And so I kind of reminded her. I said, "Sweetie, uh, you saw what Dad did. I the way I got my job." I kind of just, it just showed up one day at a studio, you know, <laughs> and uh, kind of just harassed some people and, and, and just talked and talked and kind of talked my way into a studio. And I said, you can do the same thing. So I believe it was my experience that I could share with her. And it kind of gave her the confidence of where well, she could sit down and say, you know what, dad did do that. That's how he got his job at Warner Brothers Animation, just by walking in one day and talking to a bunch of people. I didn't have an interview there or anything like that. I just started talking to a bunch of people and showing my portfolio. So that gave her the confidence to go out and do the same thing on one of her earlier jobs uh, right before she graduated college. And uh, she got a job working on a television uh, show. She's working on, uh, I believe it was Real Housewives of Atlanta. So she became a production assistant on the show just be, by sneaking into a studio somewhere and just, you know, <laughs> talking to the right person. And they gave her a job as a production assistant. It, and it looks good on her resume. And that gave her a stepping stone to go on to other opportunities. And now she's a television news reporter. So but I do believe that, you know, her having my story to lean on and my experience it made her think, wow, if dad did it, hmm, let me try it and do it too. I think that's really, really important. And also the other thing I just want to touch on there that you said is actually putting yourself out there and being in, in a position to actually get those opportunities. I, I have this conversation with some of my drum students um, quite a lot, actually. It's that kind of, you know, you can be the best musician in this room. 
but no one's ever going to know that you're doing it unless you get out there you start playing with people you enjoy the the whole feeling of being in an ensemble whatever that happens to be that's when things start to happen you know you don't know where it's going to end up or who you're going to meet or what band or what ensemble you might work with or play with or just enjoy being with but it's certainly not going to happen when you're just literally within this four walls with this practice studio um and and that just getting out there wherever it is wherever you want to do whatever your passion is again back to this idea of your passion you know go there talk to people and be involved and then just see where it leads and that's the thing about i guess having a bit of a leap of faith of just i'm going to give it a go i'm going to put myself there and let's just see where life takes us that is so true and it's not just putting yourself out there once i went to way i got my job at warner brothers it wasn't just i walked in there one day and they were the first animation studio i ever walked in i went to i want to say it was about four or five other studios you know, I would walk up with my portfolio in one hand and my CV in the other hand, my resume, and I would just walk in there and I would talk to the front receptionist or the security guard. You know, <laughs> so I didn't have an appointment to meet anyone. I didn't know anyone, and all the studios are uh, in Los Angeles, and um, I didn't know anyone there, and so I just walked in, and they were like, "Who are you?" I'm just saying, well, I'm just here to talk to somebody about getting an entry-level position. And they were like, do you have an appointment? I responded, no, I do not. They said, well, thank you for coming in. You can exit out that door over there. (laughs) (laughs) And just by chance at Warner Brothers, uh, while I was talking to the receptionist, I looked over in the lobby waiting area and I recognized a voice actor. And he's an actor who worked on other animated series. And um, and I'm one of those geeks and nerds where I look at the behind the scenes and deleted footage on, you know, on movies and animated Blu-rays and things like that. And so I'd seen his face, you know, in the recording booth doing his acting, you know, for his character. Yeah. And uh, I just went over to him and I, as, his name is Phil Lamar. And I said, hi, Mr. Lamar. I just want to say I'm a big fan of your work. I love your work. And um, and he, he saw that I was carrying a big black leather portfolio in my hand. And he said, oh, so you're an artist? I said, yes. He said, can I look at your work? I was thinking to myself, wow, this guy actually wants to see my artwork. <laughs> He's a voice actor. He doesn't draw. He does the acting. And uh, he sat down, and from looking at my work, he then introduced me to two animation producers that worked in the studio. That was the start right there. That was it. It was just me striking up a conversation. But I at least had to walk in the studio and talk to the receptionist and get turned down by her. Okay? (laughs) Yes. And on my way out, I swung by the lobby you know, passing right by the lobby and that's where it is. So I, what is that saying, Mark? It says that luck is opportunity meets preparation. Yeah. So it's one of those old sayings, meaning that you have to be ready. Okay. And when the opportunity, opportunity arises, then you're all set to go. Yeah, and I think that story just encapsulates that perfectly, doesn't it? About all those things coming together, which is, yeah, it's it's great. I, I, I you know, I'm I'm getting excited for your career already, and you've you've been there and done it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's fantastic. Um, and what does your future look like for you? Do you think? 
I don't know concrete details about what my future uh, will hold, but my hope and my dream is that I can continue to serve my students and my online audience. And I would just love to just keep doing it. That's the thing that fills me up. Some of my students online have go have gone on to get jobs, you know, doing getting illustration jobs. And these are, you know, students, you know, adults who never thought that they would pursue art and get paid for it. You know, a lot of my students are people who still have other careers. Some of the a lot of them are a lot of IT professionals and things like that. I really didn't couldn't predict that I would get IT professionals being my students. <laughs> so but hey, they're fans of superheroes as well. And a lot of them, it's them rediscovering their passion that they had when they were in high school or secondary school. And um, it's like, hey, why did I ever stop drawing? I want to get back into it, you know. And so, but I just hope that I can continue to keep serving them in whatever capacity that is. And I've done, done uh, several um, in-person group coaching sessions uh, at my public library uh, in Los Angeles and at different venues and, and uh, painting classes at my local church. So just kind of just sharing my art and just inspiring the next generation. I think that's great, and I think and I think when your focus is on other people in serving, like you said, in helping people, I think it just has a whole different feeling about it, doesn't it? And I really like the fact that it's like you say you don't have a concrete idea. This is like this, but this is the way I'd like to live, and this is like the way I'd like to do things. This is what I'd like to be about, and I think that's the perfect way to look at the future because you don't know what what's out there and, and what's going to be sent your way. But I think having that idea of how you want to live and how your future will be in that way, I, th- I think is just the perfect way to to really feel like you have you have control over your future as well you know like I say you're enjoying today but gonna strive forward in, in into tomorrow and I think that's just perfect yeah the biggest thing is just making sure that um, I continue serving my audience and sharing my gift with the world that's all I can do you know it's um, just putting out the the knowledge that I have and I am by no means the best artist in the world <laughs> there are artists who can wrap circles around me and draw me into the ground so but the gift that I do have I just want you know I'm, I just thank God that he just gave me this gift and gave me the ability to recognize that I do have this skill set and the means and the know-how on how to like share it with the world whether it be you know in person tutorials or the um, online training um, and just communicating my passion with the world. Um, I can't sit here and say, oh, like five years from now, I hope to be, you know, a millionaire, you know. (laughs) So if that happens, so be it. But for right now, you know, I make enough money that pays the bills, but I also, more importantly, enjoy what I do and have the freedom to do it. You know, um, that's the biggest thing right there. And that's my reward in and of itself. That's really lovely. And um, and what resources had the biggest impact on your life? And, and I guess that could be a podcast, a book, a, a video film or a song or anything which has really had a big impact that, that you'd like to share with us. Um, the biggest thing that would be. Um, hmm. There's so many factors. I would say. Early on in my art journey, there were 
two people that really had like the biggest impact on I admired their work ethic and it was uh Puff Daddy okay and uh Russell Simmons and both of them are in the hip they're like hip hop moguls and the things that they did and I don't know why that is it wasn't necessarily artists that really like you know had the biggest impact other visual artists that had the biggest impact on my career but it was just these two guys I and, and they were mainly businessmen in the hip hop community and so but just their passion that they had for what they believed in they didn't just believe in making music they believed in building a culture and sharing that culture with the world in the biggest way possible and they were just on the grind just hustling and just making it work those were the biggest people you know the biggest resource that i kind of looked up to and i followed every interview they were in i tried to scrounge the internet for anything where they shared a piece of their work ethic or their secret or anything like that that really just kind of would help inspire me and i know there was one interview that puffy was in and he uh said how he got his first internship working at a music label and he said he walked into the the head office i guess the big boss in charge and he was in college and he was like i walked into the guy's office at the head of a record label and i said hey i want to work here for free you know and the guy was like okay start by going outside and washing my car (laughs) (laughs) and so it was it's funny but that opportunity allowed him to learn all about the music business from the ground up by working for this big music executive. And so I kind of used that line when I went to go apply for uh, my job at Warner Brothers. When I told you, you know, the voice actor introduced me to two producers at Warner Brothers Animation. Uh, those two producers, you know, gave me a big tour of the studio and showed me the stuff that they were working on. I was like, wow, wow, wow. I was just, my mind was just blown. I was like a kid in a candy store. And so, uh, but at the end of the tour, they was like, well, okay, thanks for coming out and have a safe flight back home. And I was sad. I was like, wow, that's it? So I asked them if there were any opportunities to work in the studio. And they were like, no, uh, nothing's right now. We're all full. And then I thought about Puffy's line that he used with that music executive. I said, I'm willing to work here for free. You don't even have to pay me, you know. And they were just shocked that I said that. And I was like, no, I'm serious. And um, But they could see the passion and the, the sincerity in, in my eyes. And so they were like, well we'll go ahead and hang on to your resume and your CV. And um, if something comes up, we'll give you a call. Well, about two weeks later, they actually gave me a call, you know. And uh, and this time I was working in Chicago, Illinois, which is about 1,800 miles from L.A. So, uh, and I was only in L.A. just to, I think I spent just about a week in L.A. visiting all the different animation studios. And Warner Brothers was my last one that I was visiting. 
And so I went back to Chicago, and two weeks later, they called me. And they called me to come back out for an interview. And uh, the producer who interviewed me for Scooby-Doo uh, ultimately hired me. And, uh, and later on, I asked her. I said, her name was Kathy. I said, Kathy, why did you hire me? I didn't have any experience in animation. She said, you really know, want to know why we hired you? I said, yes, I would like to know. She said, for the simple fact that you actually came out here so far from home, you flew out here 1,800 miles, and you were saying that you were willing to work for free, we thought to ourselves, this guy will go far. And we took a chance on you. I was like, wow. <laughs> so <laughs> it got me the job. So in a nutshell, well, a big nutshell. <laughs> it's an amazing story. And, and I, I think there's so much value there for people listening. It just is that kind of get out there, do it. You never quite know. And, and also, like you said, it's, you know, that was you putting yourself, not just in terms of going there, but they could see what it meant to you, what you were prepared to do. And, and allowing it to happen, and and um, and, I, and I love your answer to that resource that it's actually a person in everything that they did. I mean, that's I've never heard that before as an answer <laughs> to this question, and I really love it. I think it's absolutely fantastic. It really just changes the whole way you think about these things, which is absolutely brilliant. Thank you. So, what's the best way for people to find out more about you? You can visit me at my website, uh, the t h e cartoon block dot com. And on there, I have my About Me page, and I have tons, hundreds of videos on my YouTube channel. So you can find me on YouTube. My name is Cartoon Block, just like it's spelled, just like it sounds, C-A-R-T-O-O-N, Cartoon Block, B-L-O-C-K. And you can see tons of my drawing tutorials online. Thank you, Evan, for sharing your wisdom um, and allowing us to learn from your fantastic experience and fantastic stories. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. I really do appreciate, you know, the opportunity to be on and to speak with you and your audience. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Learning on Fire podcast. For more information, please visit educationonfire.com and follow the links from the homepage. This show is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.